Good morning, Chapel Hill. I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I'm going to be out of my comfort zone over there and <laughs> way over here because this morning's message is going to come to you in the form of a song that I wrote. No, I'm just kidding. That would be absolutely terrible. <laughs> Oh, man, that would be something, a little comedy routine to get you through the day, get everybody warmed up, put you in the most awkward position ever. Man, he's terrible. <laughs> oh, I really admire people that can do that. Um, and, you know, the last, uh, last couple Sundays, we, we sang together a song that Kyle wrote, and, and that's now a part of our, um, our worship experience as a church, and I really admire that, but um, absolutely not my gift. Um, nor am I asking for that gift. So um, I'm over here this morning because I want to just, as I speak, I want this to be in your line of sight. I want you to be able to see this while you hear the words that totally relate to this. It, it helps to, to make things stick a little better. We remember more if we don't just hear it but also see it. And I'm um, going by that principle. And, and um, I'm also not going to take the... Uh, the time to, to put all these words up as I go. I put them all up there ahead of time this morning. Note that they're uniformly sized and all the rest of that, right? We fixed that problem. Um, and uh, I realized I, I, put, I put these words up here last week and lo and behold, uh, one of them was slightly crooked. And so the OCD people in the group really struggled with that and, <laughs> and let me know that that was crooked. And anyway, um, this, is, this is what happens when you go low tech like me. All right. Last Sunday, we started a new series of messages called The Upper Room, and we're talking about the church, and we're talking about seeing the church as a two-story house, as a two-story building, um, whatever you want to call it, and the reason that we're doing that is because I want to see... Um, I want us to see beyond the main level of the church. And so last week we talked about the four top reasons why people come and attach to a church and stay loyal to a church. And those four things are place. We talked about how, you know, this is located very conveniently. It's close to where you live. Um, you, you like this facility. You like the fact that we're next to a beautiful park. This place attracts you and it keeps you here. It's a really nice place to be and we have a, a great facility and all that. And so you, you stay attached to the church because of that, because it's only five minutes from your house or something like that. And a lot of people do that. This is why they come to a local church. It's a legitimate reason. Uh, second reason we talked about was personality. What is the style of the church? church. And as I was joking last week about my low-tech approach to things, I was reminded that that is our style. It's, it's my style anyway. Um, what is the style of church? What is the style of the teaching, the worship? Um, what kind of personality does this particular group of people um, put up? And, and what, who are we? What are we like? You know, what does, uh, what does that mean? Are we a more of a community-focused church? Are we, um, are, what is our personality? That's a reason why people stay with the church. Um, then we talked about programs. This is one of those reasons why people stay with the church. Good programs. I talked about the fact that I raised my kids here in the programs of this church and watched my boys grow from the bottom up and go right through the different programs that family ministry puts together here. And, and the huge benefit that's been, the 
the blessing that's been to our family. That's a great reason to stay with a church, to stay connected with it. And then, of course, people. Uh, we stay with the church because these are our friends. This is our spiritual family. And we get close to these people and we want to be with these people. And therefore, we're going to stay committed to this church because we cannot imagine walking away from this group of people. Um, these people mean the world to us, and so we stick with it. And so these are the four main reasons why people stay committed to a local church. Um, there are many other reasons, but these are the top four, and this is what we talked about last week, um, the fact that these are the top four, um, and they very much make up who this church is. Now, here's the difference that I want to point out to you right now, and, and it's simply this. There are institutions all throughout our culture, not just the church, but throughout our culture, that have these four things in place. And because of these things, people stay loyal to those institutions. People stay loyal to a place because they really like that place. Think about a restaurant or some kind of entertainment venue. You're loyal to that place because it re you really like it. You really feel good being there. You like the experience of that place and all that it brings. You may like the personality of a particular club or restaurant or sports venue or something like that. And you, this is the reason why you attach to an institution. You're loyal to that place. You like being at U.S. Bank Stadium. You love that feeling because there's a personality to that place. You like going to XL because it feels like hockey there. And so you want to be there. And so there's all of these institutions around us have personalities. They have programs. It's what they offer people. It's the services provided are the programs of institutions throughout our culture. And of course, there's people. Once you go to a place multiple times and you may begin to become a part of a community there. You recognize the people. You have that cheers experience, right? Where you walk in and everybody yells your name out and that sort of thing. You become a part of that community and a sense of community grows and develops there. So we can't deny the fact that throughout our culture, there are many, many institutions that have the same reasons for creating loyalty as what a church does. People stay loyal to a place, committed to a place, because of the location, because of the facility, because of its personality or style, because of the services they offer, their programs, because of the people, the community that they're a part of. So what is it then that sets apart the church. If, like all these other institutions, we have these things, and they are valid reasons to be connected to this church, what is it that sets us apart? That's what I want to begin to really dig into this morning. What sets us apart is our purpose. Our purpose sets us apart. And so as a church, if we don't understand our purpose... If we don't allow the purpose of the church to influence all these things, we aren't set apart. We are just another institution in our culture that draws some level of loyalty because of all these reasons, but nothing beyond. In the church, it's very, very clear that we understand our purpose and that we allow, that we invite that purpose to infiltrate everything that happens on the main level of this church. 
Let me read you a passage that speaks very directly to our purpose as a church. And a while back, a few years back, we worked through the book of First Peter, and this was a, a passage I kept going back to over and over and over again because it clearly defines who we are in God's eyes and very much defines what our purpose is, what our purpose is. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Peter writes this to the church. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God is daily creating a church for his purpose. And his purpose was stated here in this passage and in many other places in the Bible. And so God has a purpose and is putting together this church, has been putting together this church for a long time for that purpose. It's a purpose that has eternal implications, not just temporal earthly implications, but eternal ones. It is a purpose that focuses not, and this is part of what sets us apart from other cultural institutions, it does not focus on selfish gain, on pleasure, on entertainment. God's purpose for his church is God and others centered. And that sets us apart. And today I want to look with you at how the culture of the upper room, the purpose of the church, influences what happens on the main level and influences how we see the main level of the church. The upper room gives unique meaning to who we are and what we do. And so we're going to look at six characteristics of the upper room, the purpose of the church. And those are unity, maturity, power, spirit, leadership, and collaboration. And I'll talk about those as we go along, one at a time, and then connect those to each of these things on the main level and show how they influence that main level. So the first one that's up there is unity. We're talking about love for each other. We're talking about unity in God's family. It is a kingdom characteristic. Unity is indispensable. This is something that Jesus prayed for and that God longs to see in us at any point in time. He wants to see unity in his church. That not, that's not news to any of us. That love for each other brings us together in unity. We are unified in our love for God, and our love for each other, and that sets us apart. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 says this. Paul's writing this. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. 
Unity was a theme for Jesus. You cannot miss that. It was a theme for Paul and a theme that we can't ignore in the Bible. You'll see it all throughout the Bible. Um, some of you have recently studied and, or, or read Francis Chan's book called Until Unity. Um, that's what the book is about. Um, look at how unity influences now the main level of the church. How does unity interact with the various characteristics of the main level of the church? First of all, place. This building is a gathering place, a reminder that we're part of something much bigger than ourselves, a rare place where people gather around the same cause, a place that we built and are building together. Personality. We're a family unified around the purpose of loving each other and living as God's kingdom here on earth. God has created and protected a sense of community here at Chapel Hill Church. We are known for our love. That's our personality as a church. Programs. Our programs are here to help us journey together. They provide a common path for specific demographics and, and experiences and beyond. We serve together with the purpose of building each other up and supporting each other and creating that unity here, living out, experiencing that unity here. People, we are one body, one church, one family, brothers and sisters, citizens of one kingdom, indwelt by one spirit. We are God's people and God's desire for us is unity. Unity sets the institution of the church apart. We are called to something greater than the pursuit of our own pleasure, preferences, and entertainment. We are called to be one, and this place brings us together. The personality of this church demonstrates for the world that we are part of a family, God's family. Our programs provide opportunities to build that unity, and we as a people strive for unity. We are set apart for God's purposes in this way. It's one of the characteristics of the upper room and one of the ways in which it influences the main level. Unity has a significant impact on what happens here. Secondly, maturity. Maturity is a kingdom characteristic that sets the church apart. Every one of us has the goal of growing up, and I don't just mean getting old, Going right back to Ephesians 4, we're going to see just one of the places in the Bible where God emphasizes maturity. This sets us apart. Listen to what Paul has to say in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. He writes this, he says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
In this eternal kingdom, every person has a goal. Every one of us has a goal to grow up and become more and more like Jesus. This sets us apart. Look at how it plays out as as the culture of the upper room influences the main level of the church. This is the interaction between maturity and all these characteristics of the main level. First of all, place. We teach here. We grow together here. This place is not the destination that God has in mind for us. It's a place where we huddle and equip ourselves to build up the body and shine the light of the kingdom with more and more understanding and courage and compassion as we address the world around us. Personality. We are a group of people who are not finished. We're still growing. God started a good work in us and will continue doing that work for as long as we're living this temporary life. And so we commit to growth and flourishing as individuals and members of this family. The church provides tools for that growth and maturing. We can see the finished product in the person of Jesus Christ and we agree that we grow better together as we pursue that goal. Programs. Our programs have a goal. We are served by our programs and we grow into people who serve for the sake of others' growth. We are discipled and we grow into disciples who make disciples. People. As a people, we are ever growing, ever maturing, ever encouraging, ever building up. We are people who are visibly getting better at loving God and loving others. That's maturity. Now let's look at power and the interaction that power has with the main level. Let's let's explore why the word power is up there to start with. The world has its own definition of this word. In one sense, it may be easy to see and describe the power of this beautiful facility. The power of our unique style, the power of relevant programs, and the power of these dynamic people. Any institution can see its own power in these terms, but I want to talk about a different kind of power. We as a church are set apart by a power that will always deserve more attention than we give it. It is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The kind of power that we possess sets us apart from the world and brings tremendous depth and meaning to our main level experience as a church. Paul was so clear about this power. It drove him in his ministry. This is Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The power that Paul writes of is the same power that came into your life. The same power that came into my life. The gospel is the truth about God's love for us and his offer of grace to us. The power of this gospel raised Jesus from the dead and raised me from the dead and raised you from the dead. God was generous and compassionate enough to extend that power to you and me, even though we were outside the kingdom, unworthy at one point to be included. Jesus made that possible, and the power that made this grace possible 
is the power that sets us apart as a church, as God's church in this world. How is that power demonstrated in the place, personality, programs, and people of Chapel Hill Church? Let's look at that. Place. What makes this an influential place in our community? What gives this building, this property, the power it needs to exist and to influence the world around it? Church, it's the power of the gospel. Think about that. Lives are saved and transformed on this property, in this building. That sets us apart. Personality. Our style is saving and transforming lives. It's offering hope. That's who we are. God uses our particular personality as a church to draw people to the power of the gospel. Our effectiveness in carrying out God's mission for the church depends heavily on the power of the gospel to transform lives. Programs. If our programs are simply socially based, they won't accomplish their purpose. If they're just educationally based, they won't accomplish their purpose. If our programs are gospel-based, and I mean the whole truth of the gospel from salvation to transformation, we just might get somewhere as a church, and we see some of the greatest things happen here because of this. People. We are walking, living, breathing testimonies to the power that sets God's church apart. The power of the gospel is on display in your life and it's on display in my life daily. Is there any other institution in our culture that can claim that? Then spirit. The word spirit's up there and obviously this sets us apart. God lives in us as his individual children and his spirit dwells with us as an institution, so to speak. God's spirit brings meaning, depth, purpose, power, and much more to who we are and what we do. God's spirit deserves more credit than we give him, and so let's think about how he influences all that happens on the main floor of this church. At the core of who we are is a deep, almost desperate dependence on the spirit of God. If this ministry is merely us versus the world, we're dead. We survive and we thrive because the Spirit of God is fighting for us, pleading with the Father on our behalf, protecting us ferociously, and empowering us to carry out the vision and mission that God has given us. This is why we need to be on our knees daily on behalf of this church, calling the Spirit's presence and power into our midst Jesus summed up the necessity of the Spirit in a short statement among many others in John 6. He said in John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Spirit deeply influences the main level of our church experience. Let's see how. First of all, place. God promised that where two or more are gathered in his name, he's there with them. He's here with us. His spirit is here. This place is a gathering place for hearing from a speaker, a guide, a pastor. 
But that guide instead is the Holy Spirit. It's God's Spirit. We have the privilege and responsibility of inviting and embracing the presence of God's Spirit right here in this place. Yes, even in this physical space. His presence brings a kind of life to our gatherings that we could never manufacture ourselves. Personality. There are many terms used to describe the personality of a church, from charismatic to liturgical, from contemporary to traditional, from missional to attractional. It is because of the Spirit's presence that we could be described as a loving church, a joy-filled church, a peaceful church, and much, much more based on what the Spirit is producing here. Programs. Our programs do more than just provide social activity for our members. Our programs are designed or should be designed always to give the Spirit of God opportunities to move, to speak, to guide, to transform, to empower. We have to invite his influence in all that we do to bring meaning to the main level experience of this church. People, because of the presence of the Spirit here, the people in these gatherings become more than they would in any other gathering. Here in this church, we bring people together so that God's Spirit in me can connect with God's Spirit in you. And God's Spirit in you can connect with God's Spirit in one of your brothers and sisters. That is a significant thing. The Spirit's influence in this church can always grow and church, I invite you every Sunday as you come into this room, every Sunday, to take just a moment and ask God's Spirit to come and fill this place. We depend deeply on Him. All right, leadership. Leadership belongs on this list as a, an area where we have to be careful not to confuse the culture's definition of leadership with the kingdom's definition of leadership. Jesus faced this challenge with his disciples and passed along great wisdom and a great model that we benefit from. This is the kind of influence kingdom leadership should have on the main level of the church. Um, in a sad, strange moment following the time when Jesus instituted communion with his disciples, there in the upper room, a debate broke out right after that. A debate among the disciples over which one of them was the greatest. This was Jesus' response to that ridiculous and culturally driven debate. From Luke 22, verses 25 to 27. And Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at table, or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Leadership in the church has been called to follow this model. The kingdom's definition of leadership influences the main floor of our church in these ways, among others. First of all, place. Now, logically speaking, leadership development needs a place to happen. And this is a hard topic. We easily fall into the desire to lead like the world leads. But here in this place, people go low, not 
high, not up the ladder in their pursuit of leadership. We lay our lives down and serve each other. That's how we lead. Personality. Well, the personality of leadership is being developed in the world's culture, in the world's ways. Here, the, gen- the personality of a leader is highlighted by things like humility, gentleness, self-sacrifice, dependence on God, compassion, patience, perseverance, and more of what Jesus taught and modeled with his life. Programs. In our programs, there are opportunities for all to lead Jesus' way. We will never be short on opportunities to take the lowest place and serve others. This is how leadership is developed in the kingdom. And people. In the church, the people are the focus. Not the individual's quest for rights or status or power or authority. People matter and we lead by laying our lives down for people. And finally, collaboration. Let me explain why I've listed collaboration as something that sets us apart through the kingdom's influence in this church. What I'm talking about here is the shared imagination that's essential in making the church more than just a cultural institution. Many times, Paul referred to the church as a body made up of many parts. Um, I'm, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but read 1 Corinthians 12 sometime. 1 Corinthians 12. He writes about our gifts and how we all contribute to the whole. He points out that each member does its part and contributes to the effectiveness of the body. That's us. That's the church. We are all members of the body and contributors to the whole, to the purpose of that body. It's not always easy to remember or live by So it becomes easy for us to think that the effectiveness of the church depends on the impressiveness of the staff or the I-can-do-it-all pastor or the countless hours of service given by the volunteers. But that's the cultural way. We're different. This is one way in which we're set apart. First of all, in place. This place is God's place. And he has assigned us to be stewards of what he's given us. Collectively, we pool our resources and care for this remarkable facility and property. We do it together. We do this together. Personality. Over the years, I've watched the personality of this place change because establishing that personality is what God does through us. Not through me, not through the worship team, through us, through all of us. Our character, our uniqueness, our gifts, our perspective, our stories contribute, all contribute to the establishing of the personality of this church. Programs. Programs are built on collaboration in the kingdom. God's people see a need and ask God to use them to meet that need. We invite this kind of collaboration Staff can't do it all. The commitment that is Chapel Hill Church, the community, excuse me, that is Chapel Hill Church requires all of us to function most effectively. And people, as people, unity is built as we collaborate. We're fellow citizens of God's kingdom and we each do our part to pursue, to engage with and expand God's kingdom together. The collaboration component has been a real 
uh, a real shakeup for me recently. Um, not in the sense that we're not doing this, because we are in a lot of ways. It's captured my attention because we need more of this, and I'll be exploring what it means to collaborate with you more in the days ahead. There's plenty more on this coming. Um, we have a group that's been gathering to talk about discipleship here at Chapel Hill Church. We met this morning. Next Sunday, we're inviting you to a conversation about outreach. We're going to collaborate a little bit on what, what God's calling us to as a church when it comes to outreach. This kind of collaboration has to grow. And I'll admit that there have been times when I've fallen into the trap of bearing all the weight of ministry on my own shoulders, in my mind only, and that's shaken me up a bit. It's opened my eyes. Collaboration is the mission of the kingdom, and it sets the kingdom apart. Um, I have so much more to say on all this, <laughs> but we're going to stop there for today. Um, I hope that you're starting to embrace this picture of a two-story church, of the two levels. They're not exclusive places. I am not in any way saying that you either live here or you live here. Not at all. This is an entry point to the church. Some valid reasons for us to be connected to the church. But I'm hoping that you embrace this idea that this influences this in every way. And we have all kinds of opportunity in front of us for that to happen. We invite the upper room to deeply influence the main level on everything that we're about as a church. We become a kingdom-reflecting, gospel-powered, spirit-driven place with a personality that sets us apart. With programs that advance the kingdom and people who belong in every sense to the kingdom and to its purposes.